Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 542nd edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments to get your daily reading from me and others over at the Red Bull News Network. But, of course, this show will always be about American soccer, and that's what we're going to be here to talk about tonight and every single uh, night we broadcast here on blogtalkradio.com. You know, I, I have to give credit where credit is due, and that credit is to the Madam President of U.S. Soccer, Cindy Parlo Cohn. To get that CBA ratified, to get that CBA done, and to include the World Cup prize monies being joined at the hip to both the men and the women was a fantastic stroke of genius. Do we have a president that will truly do the job for all the programs for both men and women, boys and girls, to make U.S. soccer successful? And as of the moment right now, the answer is yes. I think Cindy Parlo Cohn has done an amazing job of getting this CBA ratified. And at the same time, this CBA, a historical moment for our players When it comes to this sport, our players, our sport, because it's not enough to be recognized in the sports world, but to be recognized and being allowed to be paid properly and handsomely for our players that perform on international duty. I really believe that right now, maybe since Sunil Gulati, and we all know that Sunil Gulati, maybe there has been some drawbacks, but the truth is he cared. The truth is, is that he cared about the sport, and he wants the sport to grow and be strong. Now we're talking about people who are not only wanting to see the sport strong, but our American players being paid properly and doing well. What does this mean going down the road? Well, I'll say this. It means that U.S. soccer is now 
shined a very big light upon themselves. I think it will lead them forward and possibly having every single nation's soccer FAs now understand why it is important to have both a men and women's teams to go and to give the women and the men their proper due, whatever the prizes are, winning the big championship or participating in the big tournament now will be split down the middle, fair, you know, even Steven. And I really believe that this is a very monumental moment in the game for here in the United States. Not trying to be overly political or anything, but when America leads the way in certain things, people will listen. When America has a hand in assisting on the biggest thing going on, People will applaud us. And to see what U.S. soccer has done, to say that this is how we're going to do it from now on, maybe things will change within the FAs of every single soccer groups of those respective countries and those respective continents to move forward. Time will tell, obviously. Time will tell. But this is a great day for the American soccer player, both for men and for women. And if the women now feel that this is the respect that they finally are deserving of, then congratulations, ladies. Congratulations. I I think this is a wonderful moment. This is a wonderful opportunity. And I really believe that we are on the right track here. And it didn't need, it didn't need to have our, you know, have our, you know, moment in the sun. It didn't have to have our chests being pounded about it. Nice and subtle. Nice and subtle. This is what you want. This is the situation that had to happen. And from U.S. Soccer themselves, this was back on Twitter on May 18th, an historic accomplishment, U.S. Soccer. The men and the women have come together to agree to a new collective bargaining agreement that will run through 2028 and achieve true equal pay, including equalization of World Cup prize money. It is amazing to see that. It is wonderful to see that. And all I can really say is is that now we don't have to worry about stuff like this anymore. Now we can move forward. And now we can think about the most important moments for these national teams. That is, of course, 
well, if you want to say the Nations League for the men, sure, why not? Get ready for this Winter World Cup in Qatar. Get ready for future Gold Cups. And for the women, World Cup qualification to the next World Cup in 2023. And then, of course, the Nations League finals, semifinal and final. And then the CONCACAF Gold Cup to defend both championship titles. Where it will be, we don't know. But as of right now, it's a situation where for the U.S. it's very fluid and vivid. I'm just proud that this this little moment is over with. Both parties got what they want, meaning the men's part, the men's team and the women's team. U.S. Soccer agreed. It's a wonderful moment. It's a great moment. And finally, we're going to be able to move forward from this and worry about what we have to worry about. And that is being ready for international tournaments, including the FIFA World Cup. And then, of course, worrying about that World Cup four years down the road where we don't have to qualify for it because we're hosting it. And it should be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait. This is going to be spectacular to have it back and sharing it with our neighbors in the north in Canada and our neighbors in the south in Mexico. Because we're not qualifying for the next one. We're taking a break, folks. We're taking a break. And it's excellent. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, tonight is going to be a great night of American soccer to talk. First things first, um, my my guests are going to be Nicholas Mendel of NBC Sports Soccer, talking about Jesse Marsh keeping leads up in the Premier League. Red Bull segment to review matches and preview the Open Cup game against F- Charlotte FC. First things first, my, in a recorded interview, my first guest is the head coach of Union Omaha of USL League One, Jay Mims, as his side, getting ready to take on Minnesota United FC this Wednesday in the fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup. And here is that recorded interview right now. And this is Daniel Feuerstein, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the American Soccer Show as we talk about U.S. Open Cup magic once again. And right now, this third division team is the lone third division team in American soccer to go out deep into the U.S. Open Cup. They started in the second round. Now they're in the fifth as they take on Minnesota United FC. It is Union Omaha's head coach, Jay Mims, joining me right now. Jay, thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on, and welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the kind words. And, yeah, excited to be on the show. You know, I have to say, you know, we haven't had the Open Cup in the last two seasons, obviously, COVID-related situations and everything, but uh, not to ask you what would have been like those last two years if there was Open Cup, but if I can ask you, since the Open Cup started for 
this club in the second round. What has the ride been like uh, for you and the performance from your players? Oh, I, I think it's been a you know special one, obviously, uh, with the success we've had so far. And I think the, the players are excited. Obviously, I'm excited about it. But I've also uh, I think it's been it's been great for the fans and for the ownership group and the fans because I think they really maybe haven't seen this firsthand. Um, you know, it's our ownership's first soccer team uh, that they've owned, and uh, obviously the fans. First time we've got a professional team here locally, so. I think it's been great for them to actually see how cool the Open Cup is and what it's about and the rules and you know how it starts and who you get to play and you know the money involved and the, the different levels involved. And I think obviously a lot of soccer fans know of the FA Cup and you know those types of things. But I think to, to kind of enjoy this, you know, to see it firsthand and, and get to see the success we're having, it's been it's been great on a lot of fronts. But I'm 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 so excited for uh, the community and the fans and the ownership group to see how this tournament really works. Now, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I apologize if I interrupted. I mean to, but if I can ask this question, has the ownership ever called you and inquired about what is the Open Cup? You know, or are they soccer savvy or not? Uh, do, have they asked you, what is this Open Cup tournament? Is it something like what goes on, as you say, like in England, an FA Cup, or like in Germany, the DFB, Polka Cup? I mean, what what have they asked you about the Open Cup, and uh, and now, how exciting is it for them to see their club advancing this far so at the moment? Yeah, I can tell you, you know, about four years ago when I met the, you know, the principal owner of the team, Gary Green, he had been to zero professional soccer games, but he's a uh, very experienced in the sports world and experienced on the business side, and he's a great person. And I can fast forward now four years, and he's probably been to over 200. And, you know, he's been to South America, he's been to Europe, he's obviously been to, we've taken him to MLS games, USL games, you name it. And uh, I think he's seen almost every level of soccer now in our country, for sure. And he's actually been out, outside the country, so it's great. He, he loves it, he's, uh, he's, he's all in, he's committed, he's uh, starting to understand it a lot more, so it's, uh, it's really neat. So I think, and they, yeah, I think they were excited about the Open Cup last year and a couple of years ago, but... It didn't happen, so it was just building, building, building. But I think he uh, – but I guess, yeah, until you've actually been in it and see the success, I don't think you really, truly know, and I think he'll even tell you that. Uh, and ownership group will tell you that. God, we had no idea how big this was after our win versus Chicago. You know, I think we had more impressions and mentions and, um, you know, marketing opportunities and just, you know, branding than we uh, did probably from even winning – a you know, a championship uh, the year before. So I, I think it's been really neat, and uh, they're all in, they're all committed, and they're so excited about Wednesday night. What's it like in Omaha, Nebraska? Now, obviously, from most of us on the outside, uh, you know, a lot of farms, college football is king. Uh, obviously, there is minor league sports affiliations with other professional major league teams, but when you talk about this game being played in Nebraska, what is the knowledge like, and, and, and how in-depth and how in-tuned are the fans when they come see Union Omaha play? Well, I can tell you, like 20 years ago when I was coaching uh, collegially here, I used to go out to games and we would see kids wearing number 90 and 32 and 47 and uh, 81, and I never really understood that. And apparently I found out those were their favorite Husker players. And so there was uh, that's where it was 20 years ago. And now 
you know, you, you see kids out there, and it's amazing. Like, there's, you know, there's parents that played that are coaching, and so the, 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 youth, the, the, the youth ability and talent in Nebraska is, has got so much better. And we have actually a couple of local kids on our professional team, and that would have been unheard of maybe 20 years ago. So I can tell you that the, the quality of players and the quality of coaching um, and just the, the education level of soccer in the state has, has grown immensely over the last 20 years. And as far as in, yeah, Omaha, I think people that haven't been here kind of think that, oh, it's super flat and, you know, it's all agriculture and there's really nothing to do. And, I mean, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, I'm fortunate I get to travel all over the world for my job and all over the country. And it's like a magnet that keeps on bringing me back to Omaha because I, I truly think it's, it's a magnet to people. You know, there's, it's, a, it's a growing town. There's a lot of young professionals now. It's almost a million people. It's a great city, and uh, I think the people are the best part about it. And um, it, it's just a, a really special place. It's, it's a very supportive town, and, you know, I think there's a lot of things that have to happen that make it a, you know, a vibrant city and, and keep on growing. But I think having a professional soccer team locally is, is one, you know, small part of, of of having a great city, and so we're just we're happy to be a part of it. That's great to hear. And now, of course, you're on this big run here in your first trip to the uh, U.S. Open Cup, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. Let's recap some of these games, obviously. They had a 2-1 victory over to the Des Moines Menace, John Sears in the 19th minute. Uh, Des Moines pulled one back. Or actually, I'm sorry, excuse me, you pulled one back to level the score uh, in the 19th minute. Then uh, Des Moines puts in an own goal. In the 81st minute, if I can say this, you know, Des Moines menace, and I think you're well aware of them, Iowa's not far from Nebraska. Uh, Des Moines is usually one of those amateur clubs that are really, really difficult to face, and they have killed off lower, you know, upper-level competition from USL, not just their own league, but in League One and Championship in the past. How big of a victory was that for Union Omaha? It was huge for all those factors you just said. You know, people that don't know of that club, you know, Kyle Kraus is the owner of that club. And, shoot, I met him about 20 years ago, and he's talking about a guy committed to, to soccer and growing the game. He, you know, he's, he's the gentleman that just bought Parma uh, in the Serie A. And um, he is uh, obviously, you know, he, he's done so much for soccer in his community in Des Moines. And um, now he's doing it in other countries. So it's a huge club. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, they've, they've knocked off a lot of teams in the Open Cup. And, you know, they won the championship last year in the USL, you know, USL2. And so they're, they're, they're very familiar with winning championships. And so for us to draw them, I thought, you know, it was neat, but it was a tough draw because they are, uh, you know, a, a great team. And they do invest and they do spend money and they do have resources. And uh, I think it was wonderful to draw them and they, their fans came over and it was a great game and it was it happened to be our first game which was tough you know we hadn't had a league game yet so it was almost the end of our preseason so it was, that was a scary uh, game and like you said it, it was uh it was close we went ended up winning two to one but i think you know our guys deserve to win i think the will tell you that but yeah you know, that's a great fan base a great club i have a lot of respect for the win that's fantastic and the third round was at the chicago fire and that was a big matchup two two draw through regulation and uh, extra time. No Meza in the 68th minute. Alex Touche in second half. Extra time stoppage time uh, to push this game into penalties. What's that like for you to go into a penalty kick shootout? Uh, as they say, the English 
twitchy bum time. Are you, you, you have to worry about who's going first, second, third, and, and are they going to convert? You know, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, you do. And I, I know, we, and we, uh, unfortunately, we, we practice some of that. Not that that matters, right? Some, you can never practice and be successful. You can practice all the time and be unsuccessful. So I think there is a truth to that because it, it does come down to twitchy bum time and mentality and nerves and things like that. I think there is something to be said about, you know, having some kind of repetition in practice. And we were able to play some uh, MLS reserve teams in, in preseason. And, you know, they're, they're league this year. They, they go right to a shootout, so there's no ties. So we actually did a couple of those with some teams. But it's funny, like, as much as you think about that stuff, I really wasn't thinking about that because, as you mentioned, you know, we were, uh, you know, we, we were down. They, they scored in uh, extra time. So we were down 2-1 to one until the very last kick of the game. And then we tied it. And then it's like, it's almost better. You're not thinking about it. Because I've been in, you know, you coach long enough. You've been in scenarios where I, I remember a game that I've coached in where there wasn't, you know, much time left. And the game had been tied for a long period of time. And you start thinking as a coach, okay, you know, I, you know who are our shooters? Let's get the 11 out there. Are we okay? What are we doing? And, and, and we gave up a late goal. And then you didn't get to that. So for us, the score the last kick of the game, it's like, oh, God, it was almost like a bonus now. Like, great, this is a shootout. So, we had all the momentum, which I was excited about. But then we lost it again when they're, you know, we we missed. The keeper made a good save, and all of a sudden now if we missed. We're out of this Open Cup, and so there's a lot of pressure on us. So we we came came from behind once, came from behind twice, came from behind in the penalty kick shootout. So it's one of the best games ever I've ever been a part of as a player or a coach. I think there were like 40 shots total in the game. Then you had in the penalty shots over 50 shots. I mean, tons of goals. It was. Uh, what a game. It was back and forth, and we were, we were toe-to-toe with those guys, and I had a lot of respect for that club, Chicago Fire, because, you know, obviously their, their Open Cup history is wonderful, and uh, it's a very, you know, historic club, and uh, a lot of great names, players, coaches, former coaches, players. and So, but yeah, it was a wonderful moment for us. We were on the winning side, and it was, it was a great moment for us in our club. Dion Akouf with the game-winning penalty. Uh, that must have really got you into the biggest celebration mode when he converted or uh, when Chicago missed their sixth penalty. What was uh, Dion like, and uh, did you were you the first one to get him? Uh, I was not the first one to get him. It was actually uh, my brother, Wes, uh, was the first one I got him. He's on our staff, and uh, he's the most positive person and uh, just great for our culture. And uh, he came out and hugged him, and then he got, I think, hugged by a lot of people, and then you know, he went to our fans on the side, but it was funny. I was sitting there with our, uh, our athletic trainer, Justin, and Dion came to shoot it. And as you mentioned, we had, we'd made a big save until we made it. You know, the game was over. I was thinking, okay, how's this going to happen? you got to believe. And our trainer looked at me, and he's a, he's a man of a few words. He doesn't say a lot. <laughs> he's very introverted. He's a very intelligent guy. And uh, he goes to me and goes, oh, perfect. And I go, well, what's perfect? He's like, oh, you got like a you know thirty year old uh, veteran guy who's very salty that's taking this. No problem. This game's over. And I was like, all right. And uh, sure enough, ten seconds later, he was right, and that was it. There you go. That's beautiful to hear. And then of course, uh, the fourth round, fellow USL League One club, Northern Colorado Hailstorm. Their expansion season is this season. Um, I have to say, I watched the highlights of your match against them. And uh, I'm sorry, I have to say it, Jay, your side was the better side. You're on the attack. You're, you're just putting balls on frame. I thought you actually had a goal in the first half. It got wiped out. Um, but 
You got two goals from Meza again in the 46th minute, and then Connor Doyle in the 58th cemented it. And now you're in the fifth round. But you know, what's it like? What 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 was it like to take on Northern Colorado in Open Cup play and not during a league game? You know what? I, I think it helped us that they're new to our league, and and as far as them, we never played them. And so I think it would have been a little bit different feeling if we drew a team in our league for that round, and we've already played them. You know, we we played some teams, you know, six times over the last couple of years, and so I think that would have been different. But since they were We've never played them, and they're new in the league. It felt like a team that wasn't in our league, and it's like a new team. So I think our guys were excited about that. And shoot, they were good. And I watched their match versus Salt Lake, and uh, I keep on going back to that. They they were, I mean, they were great, and they deserved to win that game. And they they worked hard and they defended. And so our guys had the right mentality coming into that match of like, hey guys, this is no, you know, this is not just a team in our league. This team just being an MLS team like you guys did. And like, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be good. And, you know, their coaching staff does a great job, and um, so it was. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough, and and like you said, yeah, I think we we worked hard, and you know, we two beautiful goals. Oh my gosh, two of the better goals that we scored uh, in a while. I, I think you know the first goal was you know it was, a, it was a transition break, and so many times in transition moments, right, you don't make the right decision, or like maybe someone makes the right decision and someone doesn't. I mean, we, every guy made the right decision. You know, right, you know, when to pass it you know, when to shoot it, when to lay it off. It was great. And then the second goal, just a class goal, you know, that, uh, you know, have, you know, one of our guys be able to, you know, start it out wide and come back in the middle and a little give and go. And then was, the finish was, was very, uh, very composed. And I thought it was one of the better goals I saw in the Open Cup that round. Just a great team goal. And, and then, yeah, we had a defending battle and we got them coming up soon, uh, actually, this Saturday, you know, so, we know we have to get them again, but I think they were a good team, and they, uh, yeah, it was it was unfortunate we had to draw each other because I think if they draw someone else, maybe they get a result. But I think it's also good that we knew someone from our league was going to advance, and it just happened to be us. So now you have uh, Minnesota United FC on the road at the Allianz Field in St. Paul, Minnesota. I know you've seen their matches. You're able to watch all things happening in Open Cup as well as MLS. I have to ask the questions here. What is the certain thing that Union Omaha needs to do to not just stop Adrian Heath's side, but to continue advancing into the Open Cup, into the quarterfinals? I think have fun. I mean, you know, I think, the, you know, the, the chips are, uh, you know, all in, and, you know, the pressure's, I think, on them. And for us, We've done such a great job this year, and our guys have had you know such a good time getting to the fifth round already. So have fun, enjoy themselves, and you know that's why I want to go there and you know make this a great trip. And you know we I've never I've never got to go to the stadium yet. And I hear it's beautiful, but I know I've had former players that I've coached before, uh, collegially, Ethan Finley, uh, who's now is in Austin doing well, and uh, the Callmans. I mean, uh, Greg Jordan. We, we've had a lot of guys that I've played. Uh, we have such a history from Omaha soccer and, you know, players playing in Minnesota when it was with the USL, the NASL, uh, you name it, the now MLS. And so they have such a rich history and great club and great fans, great supporters. I mean, one of the best brands, I think, and Crest in MLS. And I think we have the best Crest in USL and, and the best brand. And I, I think, but I think for me, I told the guys, we got to enjoy this trip. Like you just, you know, you, you have to go up there and we got to enjoy it and, put everything in, and uh, I think it'll be fun. Adrian does such a great job with his team, and 
I think they've been unlucky this year in the league. They, you know, they haven't won a lot, but they've also uh, they've created a lot of chances. They just haven't put the ball away. And hopefully, you know, ours isn't the game, but they're putting uh, the ball away. But uh, I, I think they're, they're a good team, and I'm, I'm excited to get to the stadium. And I haven't been to that you know new new place, and the fans are great. And I just hope, uh, yeah, hope we can continue the run. But we, we want to get up there and enjoy it and see ourselves. And, uh, and you know, so I'm. I'm happy for the guys. It's a, it's a great reward for what they've done over the last, uh, you know, five, six weeks in this tournament. I want to finish off with this. I'm going to let you go, but I want to say this. Talking about fans, your fans are special. Your fans are awesome. And I'll never forget the video I saw on Twitter where Omaha Union supporters watching your club winning the penalty kick shootout against Chicago Fire at a sports bar somewhere in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't know where it was. I forget where it was. But to see them, not a couple, not four, not five, I would say maybe a good 30 to 40 Union Omaha fans at the sports bar celebrating a penalty kick shootout victory for their club. And that, Mr. Mims, is just fantastic to watch. And I loved every moment of it. Jay, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And good luck on Wednesday night. I appreciate it, and you're right. That's what it's all about, is uh, the fans doing that. And we should have a couple hundred people getting up to the short drive. So we're excited to see them. Thank you for having me on, and uh, best of luck this year with everything. And uh, we'll see you soon. All right, we'll see you soon. And that is Jay Mims, head coach of the Union Omaha from USL League One. Big Open Cup match this coming Wednesday evening. And we all know the Open Cup is a fun time for everyone in American soccer. Speaking about American soccer, having a fun time. You saw what happened on the final day of the Premier League season in England, all on the platforms of NBC, whether it be on regular NBC, CNBC, uh, Golf Channel, Sci-Fi, USA Network, or even on the Peacock app. Everyone was going crazy to see who or what will happen with certain players either finishing strong, a title, or keeping a club up in the Premier League. To join me to talk about the most important thing is Mr. Nicholas Mendela from NBC Sports Soccer. And Nicholas, welcome back. Before we even get to our main question here, now I thought Man City was going to just drop the title and just hand it over to Liverpool before they went on that three-goal barrage. I thought Man City was going to have probably the worst performance to win a championship since, I'll say it, the Jets came in flat to play against a dead Buffalo Bills team and lost and couldn't even make the playoffs after having a 10-win season. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, out here in Buffalo and you being uh, in New York, I can appreciate that comparison for the longest time. Both of our teams were absolutely dreadful, but... Uh, my team's very good now, and I think uh, judging by the Jets draft, if you have any sort of quarterback, maybe you guys are turning the corner. I hope so, and uh, we'll see what happens this season. Uh, just got to see if everything's going to gel at the right time, but uh, I do feel good about the picks that they made in this the past draft. Um, Nicholas, I think we all know that there's been a lot of historical moments when it comes to American players giving a chance across the pond in England, we've seen goalkeepers have success like Tim Howard. 
We've had defensive players, defensive midfielders have success uh, in the Premier League. We've now have seen finally like Christian Pulisic, and maybe there might be a few hiccups in his game, but still, though, he's an attacking player. We've had those moments of Landon Donovan with Everton, but he never really stayed in Everton. But once again, we're seeing these historical moments for American players finally coming to fruition through the years. What does it mean to a guy like, or for us, to see a guy like Jesse Marsh keeping leads up in the Premier League on the final day where threats of relegation were on the doorstep? I mean, I I don't know if it's possible to, well, it's possible to overstate because everybody can overstate something, but he has done just a phenomenal job. And, you know, Bob Bradley, for whatever you want to say about his time at Swansea, which is a team that had no defenders, um, got a got a rough ride. Uh, didn't really get a chance to get the job done. There was a, there was a group there very skeptical of of American ownership. Uh, David Wagner is a terrific manager, but obviously, let let's be honest, he didn't get that job as an American manager. He got that job as a guy who had been with Borussia Dortmund too. So, with Jesse Marsh, we felt like we were going to get the longest chance, the longest runway to see if a guy could fix something. But I said it uh, on our show today on on Pro Soccer Talk on on YouTube for NBC sports that Jesse Marsh was replacing a statue. And what I mean by that is not a bad thing. It means you have guys at clubs like we had Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously in Manchester United and Arsene Wenger and Arsenal. Um, and, and of course, uh, Marcelo Bielsa at, at Leeds, you're, you're replacing a guy who, if he doesn't have a statue already is going <laughs> to, it's going to have another one outside the ground. And all Jesse Marsh did after taking a couple of games to get his first win, the only losses he had down the stretch were to Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man City. They got draws and wins against everybody else. And I think he rejuvenated a squad by being very different from Marcelo Bielsa. Um, but at the same time, he just pushed the right buttons. He gave them confidence. And as my colleague Andy Edwards said, he gave them belief. And I don't know that that's going to swing it for any Americans, especially as we already see these um, – big rips on, on, on Chris Armas as the, as the assistant at Manchester United. And, um, you know, Jesse Marsh, there were Ted Lasso comparisons just because he's positive and he uses words like believe, but just an absolutely fantastic job and showing that the IQ is there. And, and you know, um, then I, what I want to say is that I remember when Marsh was tabbed um, to take over Red Bulls after a very successful and well-liked manager when his background besides as a player was just a very short stint at Montreal and all he's done is literally every job he's gotten, except for maybe Leipzig where um, they left the cupboard bare by selling their two best centers, center backs and letting Julian Nagelsmann take them to Bayern Munich. Uh, pretty much as we've seen it now, Salzburg and Leeds, the Gynos and Red Bulls, uh, New York Red Bulls, he knows how to manage a team. And I, I'm just, I'm dumb doubting him. He could be hired by just about anybody. And I'd say, let's see how he does. I agree. And I can attest to what happened at New York Red Bulls after Mike Pecky in only two seasons as head coach. He led the club to a Supporter Shield championship, got the club in the next season to the Eastern Conference final, and then the outrage that came within the entire supporters groups of why was this club legend as a center back and now as a manager – why did you let him go? Why is this happening? 
and I think even Mike kind of wrote the saw the writing on the wall, I should say, that he was probably going to get kicked out because there was going to be new uh, people taking over the club, which was Allie Curtis, and Allie Curtis did the job, and here comes Jesse, and many people were upset, and many people were angry, and they don't understand why was, are we making a honestly. change when things are going so positive. Yep, me too. Yeah, I, me too. I was upset too. And then you give them a year, at least a season, and look what happens. Not just winning a, uh, another Supporters' Shield in, in 2015, but reaching the 2017 Open Cup Final. I mean, what an amazing run he has had as a manager in MLS at the uh, Red Bull Salzburg in the Austrian Bundesliga. Two Bundesliga titles, two Austrian FA titles. I, I mean find the blip at the Leipzig, but wow, what he has is something special here, Nicholas. Yeah, and I mean, let's talk about, I mean, very briefly, because we're not here to talk about the German Bundesliga, but the blip, again, Julian Nagelsmann no. leaves Leipzig as a fantastic manager. Um, he takes Dio Upamecano with him. Ibrahima Kanate um, was, was, you know, eventually out the door. This was, uh, this was a very cupboard bare situation, and um, as much as it, I, I thought about this at Salzburg, why I thought it was a little bit risky him taking the job, because at some point, how, how often was the whole Red Bull system just going to keep finding gem after gem? I mean, remember, they, he took over with, you know, you had Holland walking out the door. Um, I can't remember the name of the center back that they sold to Wolfsburg at the same time that Takumi Minamino was sold to Liverpool. Uh, Sobosly eventually leaves. I mean, these are apparently renewable resources within the Red Bull organization, but um, you know, he just kept winning and, and producing, uh, getting more from new players, whether it was Pat Sendaka. Um, and now you have to wonder whether it's Brendan Aronson or who it's going to be that he brings into the fold at Leeds. And I, I frankly, I am so excited to see what Jesse Marsh is going to do with a Leeds level investment. Cause this is a historic club. Um, they have not been at this level for quite some time, as you know, but that this is a huge club mm-hmm. that staying in the league and using that Premier League TV money for another year, um, they're going to be able to buy even more players. What made you think that Bielsa was expendable, but at the same time, why did they fire? Why did they sack him after a transfer window? Wouldn't it have been better to bring in Jesse before that? winter window to improve yeah, the club? Probably, but I, I think they just kept waiting for something better uh, out of Bielsa. The, the issue, you know, and I, I guess it's kind of worked out for Jesse Marsh as well. One of the reasons they rebounded is that Calvin Phillips is a phenomenal player and he missed half the year, including the last part of Bielsa's reign. And even with uh, looking at Jesse and the job that he did, you're talking about a guy who did the whole thing really with, with maybe what, 20 minutes out of Patrick Bamford, his best center forward and with Rafinha on a relatively cold streak, kind of funny. I'm sure for the MLS honks in our world that uh, it took a New York city FC guy who came from Manchester United's Academy via wake forest <laughs> um, to do it, to, to get the <laughs> goal in Jack Harrison. But um, you know, that, 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 that the whole story is just really kind of neat. And, um, I'm sure he's going to, I mean, maybe he ends up there for years and years and years and years, but the way the Premier League works, um, you can be a very good manager and last less than two years. At some point, he's going to be 
uh, let go, not soon, by the way, but at some point he's going to be let go. The stories are going to be written about how he was American, and too unorthodox, and remember those huddles, and it's going to happen. But right now we need to look at a guy who saved one of the um, biggest names in, in English football in Leeds United. I agree with you there. And not saying this is going to happen right off the bat, but what if Jesse Marsh will be seen as the next rumor to maybe handle the big clubs, the big boy clubs? Not saying Leeds isn't, but let's just say for the hell of it, Arsenal comes calling. Maybe Man United comes calling. Maybe Liverpool comes calling. I mean, obviously Klopp will be there forever. We know Pep's going to be at Man City forever. But what if... He yeah. needs. Here's the thing now, they're, they're, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but the the, the stat the, the situation no, now though, um, the situation now is it's a little bit different now. I think that these big clubs, and you look at Tottenham with Antonio Conte and Guardiola and his status when he came to Man City and Klopp when he came to Liverpool. Um, Arteta is a little bit of a different case because he was an Arsenal alumnus. Um, but you look at Ten Hag mm-hmm. at, at Manchester United. Thomas Tuchel had been to a Champions League final with, with PSG. What you're going to see now is guys are going to have to make their bones. You're not going to see as many Arteta or even Frank Lampard at Chelsea hires. You're going to see guys, and, and or even Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool, right? He needed to go remake himself by going and winning everything there was to win, essentially, at Celtic, uh, assuming that they're not going to win, you know, the Champions League. And um, he had to do that, and then he had to go to Leicester just to get himself back in these conversations. So I think that the, the, the question is, can Leeds United be that middle ground step? Can it be viewed like winning at an Everton or a West Ham or a Leicester to get yourself in the shop window for one of the big jobs? Um, but <laughs> I wouldn't be terribly surprised depending on what happens at Leeds in the next year and what happens at the World Cup if Jesse Marsh's next pit stop might not be you know, in the red, white, and blue of the United States uh, uh, shirt. But for right now, we don't have to talk about that because he's succeeding at Leeds, and I certainly hope he succeeds there for some time. It's just the, the shelf life of any Premier League boss is perilously short. No, I agree with you there, and uh, we'll see what happens down the road once this summer is over with, and uh, hopefully for Jesse, uh, he'll be you know, successful at Leeds uh, for the next couple of years or so. We'll see what happens. But what have you heard over in England now with the media and now with Leeds fans? I know they're delirious that they're still in the Premier League, that's for sure. But what does is is the media say now over in England? Or what has Joe Prince Wright told you what they're <laughs> saying over there across the pond about Marsh? Well, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Joe actually knows – uh, and has a has a halfway decent relationship with Marsh, or at least a close connection to Marsh. So Joe is pretty positive about him. I, th- I think that um, right now people are impressed. They they remember when Salzburg gave Liverpool a heck of a run in the Champions League, um, and they remember that that the praise that's been given to Jesse Marsh by other big-name managers and how impressed Jurgen Klopp was when he went head-to-head with them. And um, I know Pep Guardiola was impressed as well. The thing about Marsh is that he's a, he's a soccer lunatic. He's a nutcase. He's an obsessive. He is the sort of guy who's going to put in the time, uh, as, as much time as anyone else, which is funny because that's what, <laughs> that's what Marcelo Bielsa was, was lauded for. So uh, what you're reading in the media, I think, is, hey, this guy is now shown uh, – uh, I guess what you could say is if he failed 
uh, if they were relegated, and he probably would have been given a chance to to run with them in the championship. What you would have said is, oh, well, you know what, he failed at Leipzig, and he did okay at Salzburg and New York Red Bulls, but, you know, we don't know if he can do it at the highest levels. Well, now, all of a sudden, that Salzburg job looks mighty more impressive in some of the stuff he's done there winning, and now Lees is saying, well, maybe it's not a fluke. Maybe we got a guy on the rise up here. So, you know, it, it would be funny. If uh, if he did have an English accent, like uh, if he if he if he spoke like Graham Potter, I bet they'd be talking about even higher of him. But he's uh, he's made a major uh, he's he's made a major um, statement in a short period of time. And now if if Leeds can be a top half team again next year, if they can hold on to Rafinha and Calvin Phillips, um, Diego Lorente, if they can hold on to these guys or replace them adequately, and they're, they're, of course there are stories of a, a 30 million pound transfer for Brendan Aronson, then all of a sudden it goes from, hey, this guy got a job done to, hey, this guy's got a system and a, and a reputation, and we got to, you know, we got to give the, I won't say the, give the, the American devil is due, but something the Jersey devil is due, if you will. Um, but they're going to have to acknowledge, uh, and, and I think they're already starting to acknowledge it. I agree with you there. Finally, before we go, of course, Nicholas Mendel doesn't just cover the Premier League for NBC, Sport, uh, NBC Sports Soccer, as well as the Pro Soccer Talk uh, channel on NBC Sports and as well as YouTube. Uh, he also helps run FC Buffalo of the National Premier Soccer League, and he's just finding out that I am a media partner with the league and talking <laughs> with Gary Moody and everything. But for those, but for those who are not aware. Um, how long FC Buffalo has been around? I know there was a story about uh, the owner who uh, started up that uh, that club, and uh, so far it looks like uh, you're getting ready for another NPSL season so far against Pittsburgh Hotspurs, Erie Commodores, Cleveland SC, of course, who was in the Open Cup this past uh, tournament, and Akron City FC. How tough is this Rust Belt Conference? And uh, how many uh, yeah. uh, how many fights do we get on the pitch? Well, I'll tell you what this is. <laughs> this is, uh, in my opinion, and we're seeing it now with um, some okay results from a team that was perennially maybe struggling a little bit in our league in Syracuse FC. They've moved to another conference and they're doing a lot better. This our our league, our conference is a slugfest. Cleveland is a fantastic team. Uh, Pittsburgh Hotspurs has traction now in Pittsburgh, and there's so many Division One schools around there. Erie Commodores, our, our hated rivals, they're, they're never a bad team. And Akron City, I mean, if you're operating in Akron and you've got access to the Zips pipeline, um, you're going to be a good team. So, listen, the uh, FC Buffalo started by a scrappy group of 27-year-olds uh, 13 years ago. One of them was me. And now at age 40, um, I am, uh, I'm really proud of where we've come. I mean, we have alumni everywhere. Your last guest, uh, his boss, the general manager of Union Omaha, is one of our former players. He's from Buffalo, New York. Uh, we have a former intern who is the scouting director and a damn good one with Colorado Rapids and Chris Zitterbart. Um, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds leading scorer is one of our former players in Russell Ciceroni. So uh, it, it's kind of been fun to be a, to watch as a team comes up from, uh, you know, from literally ground uh, from zero. And um, you get to see those pieces move across the soccer world. And we have a game on Friday night against Akron City uh, in Buffalo, in downtown Buffalo. And I would encourage everybody to watch it on 11 Sports um, because our conference is, in my opinion, the best top to bottom one 
in uh, in our in our pretty good league, in a pretty darn good league. Absolutely, and I can't wait. And uh, I'll make sure that I tell Gary Moody to get you on the NPSL Soccer Show, which is going to restart uh, next Friday. Mood dog, so, uh, great guy. Everyone, be ready. Yes, he is. He is absolutely fantastic. I'm glad to be a partner with the league, especially with him. But, Nicholas, thank you very much for your time to talk about the Premier League. And, Jesse Marsh, this is a great day for American soccer that one of our managers finally uh, is shining brightly to keep leads in the Premier League. Thank you again, and uh, hope to have you back on the show soon for next season. Anytime, man. Thank you. Thank you. Nicholas Mendela, NBC Sports Soccer, and, of course, part of the FC Buffalo owner uh, front office as they get ready for another currently a uh, playing season here in the NPSL for FC, for FC Buffalo. And it's going to be, it's going to be a fun time in the National Premier Soccer League. And you know what? Before I continue on, I have to say this. And as Nicholas Mendela uh, mentioned, Bob Bradley got a fair shot. Or I really couldn't call it a fair shot, to be honest with you. He got a chance to be managing of, of Swansea. And he was already hampered and sabotaged from behind. It's not just from what goes on in the front office, but the media as well. How many times do you see this man does not know the Premier League tagline over and over and over where these people don't understand that we watch the Premier League here day in, day out in the States. We have our subscriptions to ESPN Plus, to Paramount Plus, to Peacock. We watch these games religiously. We watch Rebecca Lowe. And the two Robbies and Tim Howard before was Kyle Martino and now Higginbottom to discuss the Premier League in and out, the most watched league in the world and the bubble that the English put themselves in. They think they know more than what we know. And it's wrong. And to see the blatant negativity towards Bob Bradley was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, to be fair, and to be honest, I wouldn't have pegged Jesse Marsh to go to Leeds or to be in England. I mean, obviously, Bob Bradley was one of those. I would have said Bruce Arena. I definitely would have said Bruce Arena and Bob Bradley coming to the Premier League to manage, to get a job. But for Bruce, he's remained here in the U.S., and it's fine. Bob Bradley, the chance was not fairly given. And now look what Jesse Marsh has done. In a three-month span, no transfer window. And when the losses were coming against the big boy teams, doubt sent his way. But Jesse Marsh knew himself, knew his players, knew how to get the best out of them. 
just as he had done in Salzburg, New York Red Bulls. This is a very, very happy day and a happy moment if you are an American soccer fan. Planted the big flag. The big American flag in England now. All they wanted was goalkeepers, defenders, and defensive midfielders. Now they want playmakers, attacking midfielders, and strikers from our nation. They have finally, 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 here comes our boys across the pond to make a bigger impact, or at least a big impact, in the squad or to manage a squad. Lots of rumors are going to be uh, going on in the summer window. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to find out what that situation will be. But we have to be ready and have to be prepared for when when these major moves are going to happen. And the hope is our players get used before we get to November 21st as the FIFA World Cup will begin in Qatar. should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. So we'll see what happens. But until then, we'll see what happens. So other than that, now we're going to move forward. Red Bull segment, recapping two games. Um, Another draw at Red Bull Arena, 3-3, but scored three goals while allowing three to see, tough to watch. But when they scored their goals, it was a lot of delight and a lot of positive. It was fun to see that. It was great to see that. Great goals from Cameron Harper, Lewis Morgan on a penalty, and then Patrick Lamala up front. Got to do better. Got to keep that ball out of the net. But once again, the situation where our kids, our boys, have to be a little bit better defending here. And at the same time, at the same time, got to put in more balls into that back of that net. But then you go down to Miami to take on Inter-Miami on a four-match losing streak. And unfortunately, after the first 20 to 30 minutes of the match, which they played, they had a great start. Couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, but they had a great start. All of a sudden, Miami sneaks one in off a deflection, off a deal in Dylan Nealis. And then everything just went haphazard. Calendar in goal, 
all you can say is is that the, this Red Bulls team losing on the road for the first time, it's a tough one to swallow, but you know what? Better to get it out of the way. To start the season undefeated on the road and unbeaten on the road was amazing. 16 points. Five wins and a draw. It was amazing to watch and it was amazing to see. you got to say that this Red Bulls team, they have some issues, but you know what? When they turn it on, they look great. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But this Wednesday, they're going to be taking on Charlotte FC in the fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup over at Montclair State University Soccer Park, 8 o'clock Eastern. You can watch on ESPN Plus or you can drive on over and get a ticket. And this is where I normally wouldn't say this because this is an expansion team. This is an expansion team. And normally against an expansion team, you should be the better side. But that will be league action next month. This is a one and done. This is where the Red Bulls have to be extra careful. Extra careful. I just believe that they need to be aware of who they're playing. They have to stick to the game plan as quickly as possible. Because if they make a misstep here, they're going to hear it. They're definitely going to hear it. So all I can really explain is that they must win this game to go to the quarterfinals, host that quarterfinal matchup either against the New England Revolution or New York City FC. This is going to be probably the biggest fifth-round match they've ever had in their life. So all I can say is, when you're going to be facing an opposition, and let's be honest, Charlotte's head coach in Ramirez, he looks like he's the real deal. He looks like that he's going to go out there with a game plan, and he's going to get all of his big boys to take on the New York Red Bulls. And if you're wondering why was Lucinius on the bench for these last two matches, I think it was a smart move by Gerhard Struber to use him properly in that way. Because Lucinius is an important cog to the Red Bulls' success. Lucinius, since coming over and exploding with goals has been a big-time player for this Red Bull side. Big, big goals and sets up big, big goals. They're going to need him for the full 90 and maybe more 
We'll see what happens. But right now, it's very important to have him for this important match. Because it's leading to another match on the road for a championship if we can get there. If Rukinyas is on the pitch, I think we will. But once again, got to worry more about Charlotte on Wednesday night. And then once that match is done, we'll worry about the next opponent at Red Bull Arena. Once again, it's at 8 o'clock this Wednesday at the soccer park in Montclair State University. And if you don't feel like heading on over there, you can watch it on ESPN Plus through your streaming uh, apps and computers and uh, web-enabled devices and smartphones. This should be a lot of fun. All round of 16 games are going to be on Wednesday, May 25th. It's going to be exciting and a lot of fun, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that, and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be excellent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. And enjoy the Open Cup action on Wednesday night, ladies and gentlemen. And for those of you wondering about the rest of the matches, here they are coming up on my screen right now. For the fifth round, we have Orlando City hosting Inter Miami for the Battle of Florida. Louisville City hosting Nashville SC, Lynn Family Stadium. Of course, Orlando City will be hosting that game, their game at the Explorer Stadium. New York City FC hosting the New England Revolution at Belson Stadium in Queens on the campus of St. John's. We're going to also have Minnesota United FC hosting Union Omaha over at Allianz Field. Sporting Kansas City hosting Houston Dynamo at Children's Mercy Park. LA Galaxy hosting LAFC. That'll be at the Track and Field Stadium. <clears throat> at the Dignity Health Sports Complex. And Sacramento Republic will be hosting the San Jose Earthquakes at their stadium in downtown Sacramento. So it should be a lot of fun. It should be exciting. And I cannot wait. This is going to be great stuff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for tonight's show. Thank you very much for listening to me. I want to thank my guests, Jay Mims, head coach of Omaha Union. Excuse me, Union Omaha. My fault. Sorry about that. Uh, and, of course, Nicholas Mendela of NBC Sports Soccer, as well as a front office member of FC Buffalo. My name's Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Talk to you guys soon. And please, as always, enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.